listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. Grimes in a pull-up three. Grimes, dead-eye shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. And we are live here for another episode of Let's Rage Coobs, presented by Pod Slamma Jamma. Uh, what, uh, what a Sunday, what a game. We're retreating the American Athletic Conference Championship game. A day on Dunlap. Uh, get that Luca Doncic jersey off the screen. Boo Dallas, boo Dallas. Uh, thank you for everyone joining us. Where I'm joined by Akib Ghazi, Justin Barbosa. Um, I, we'll go around the table and introduce, introduce yourselves. Day on, you go first. Uh, Dayon Dunlap, covering Houston sports. I call numerous of colleges, um, color commentary, do some play-by-play. Dallas native, Mavs got the win. Cougs got the win. It's a good day today. I give you next, sir. Can you hear me? I think we might have lost him for a second. Yeah, he's kind of frozen, so uh, we'll wait to have him back. But that that means Justin, go ahead. You're you're next, sir. Uh, introduce yourself. You're thank you for the first time you joined us. Um, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, how's the mic sounding? Yeah, your mic's perfect. Where can uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And uh, I mean, what do you do? This your introduction. What's up, guys? I'm Justin Barbosa. You can find me at jbarbosa underscore ninety five. Been doing some play by play in uh, the Houston area for a while for high school sports. This year started doing uh, basketball for preview and I'm about to do baseball soon. Kind of help around the Pod Summit Jamma account every once in a while, but yeah. And we'll get right into it. So off the heels, obviously, of course, Houston, uh, just for the second straight year, ended up winning the American Athletic Conference postseason championship, defeating Memphis uh, the final score was 71 to 53 in favor of Houston, but that's not even the big news anymore. The big news, um, it, it is a, a little bit, but um, that's not even the big news. The big news, obviously, of course, Houston just named a five seed in the South region in the NCAA tournament. Uh, day on uh, your initial reactions, they're going to be in the same region with the number one seed. Arizona, they've had a great season. What, what are your first overall takeaways from where Houston is seeded and what the region will look like? I mean, the seeding is what it is, like Coach Sampson says, and I believe Coach Sampson wholeheartedly, whenever he speaks, he always speaks truth. And seeding really doesn't matter when it gets down to the tournament. So I'm not even looking past the seed. I'm not looking at the seed that against UAB. I'm just looking at the matchups, how they match up, and I, I can't wait to see these games. I did see Arizona a few times, and Arizona is tough. But as a Houston 5C, it is what it is. Now it's time to dance. It's time to dance. It's March. Let's do it. It's the best time of the year. So uh, South Region, they're going to play in Pittsburgh on Friday. 
against the University of Alabama, Birmingham. They will be the 12th seed. Uh, and once again, that will be on Friday. Times have yet to be released. Uh, but before we get into more specifics of the NCAA tournament, obviously, of course, they, they did it. They were able to defeat the Memphis Tigers in the American Athletic Conference championship game after losing the first two regular season meetings to the Tigers. Houston came out and really uh, a completely change of script from those two regular season meetings. In this game, it seemed like Houston from the get-go, they were certainly locked in and and. My goodness, Fabian White Jr., he was the player of the game. He was the American Athletic Conference most outstanding player of the entire tournament, and with good reason. Uh, he played only uh, two, oh, was it two minutes, 57 seconds in the semifinals game against Tulane with back stiffness. He was a game time decision. They didn't even know if he was going to play until literally 20 minutes before the game. They announced he's good to go. He's starting, and what an impact as we bring in Akib right back into the show. But, uh, Akib, can you hear me? Is uh, your audio good? Yeah, yeah, everything's good. Y'all can hear me? Yeah, we can hear you perfect. So, I mean, um, I mean, you're joining us right on the time. So, I'll throw it to you first. What are your overall takeaways from uh, Houston and how they were able to beat Memphis? And like you said, really a complete change of script of uh, their two regular season meetings. Houston certainly seemed like they had the, the edge. It seemed like they wanted it. And obviously, of course, Fabian White Jr., a key player that set the tone in that game. Let me just first start by saying that a 5C to me is – that's not right. I, I, for sure, I thought they should have been a four seed, especially if you the way they dominated the whole conference tournament. And I think even Joe Lenardi, who he's pretty strict on his, you know, his guidelines, he even had mm -hmm. them as a four seed. So I think the selection committee is probably really biased. But anyways, yeah, like from the looking at the game, start to finish, I think Houston did a great job, except for maybe it was like around like four or five minutes where. Memphis did kind of give them a scare where they got it to like within six points. So, but other than that, dominant performance. Everybody played amazing. Tajay was hooping. Uh, Fabian White, 20 points. Not like a lot. I mean, nothing more can be said about him, how great he's been for this team. Josh Carlton was great. Uh, Jamal Shedd was good. And then Kyle Edwards sh struggled a little bit shooting the ball, but he hit some timely shots in the first half. And then um, he played amazing defense and dished out. And you know, I liked what I saw from everybody, and they dominated. For sure. Dayon, uh, what are your takeaways from Memphis, uh, from the game that Houston had against Memphis in the American Championship game? I mean, of course, you got to start with Fabian. He definitely got my vote for most outstanding player. Um, he, he really – he looked like a pro out there. I mean, I know I tweeted this earlier, but – I've just watched pro games and I see him. I, I think people like Bobby Porters, just space the floor, play energy, can switch on the pick and roll, guard, guards. He really, he came to play. He, he set the tempo. And then the second player I, I think about after watching that game is Jamal Shedd. Just his, his leadership, the time and plays that he made when he got fouled, he immediately went back, got his team settled. Then his emotion came out and just made me take back to when he went viral and gets the loss against Alabama. <laughs> so you know that he, he's a locked in. He, he's a leader. And then this entire team, man, just what they've been doing all season, man, really can't really say it enough, the culture, but they really done what they wanted to do all season. Memphis was celebrating the two wins that they got in the regular season. So some of the players, I know that they, they really took that to heart and wanted to come out and get the victory and then get another ring. It's about rings, man. Memphis celebrate those regular season wins. Houston came back and got the dub, and they're going to have another ring. But now it's time to dance. 
Yeah, and Akib, to your point, you mentioned a five seed. I, I remember, I remember what Chris uh, Garner told us last night or yesterday, uh, where it seems like the committee had already made their decision, uh, regardless of what the outcome would have been. Uh, and obviously, I think I agree with you. I think a five seed was surprising. I expected them to have uh, to be a four seed. And, and you know, one thing you do when you're reporting, you learn to to kind of pre-fill your stuff before you send stuff out. I had them penciled yeah. in as a four, and I saw they had to quickly had to change. Um, but Justin, your thoughts on your initial thoughts on Houston beating Memphis in the American Athletic Conference Championship, Fabian White, any other players? Josh Carlton had a big game at the end of the second half when Memphis tried to pressure him, kind of a last resort whenever they had gotten back into the game. And Fabian, uh, not Fabian White, Josh Carlton did a good job of kind of closing the door and, and getting a lot of uh, dunks towards the end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely got uh, Fabian White and Josh Carlton going today, combined for 38 points, only held a them last game against Memphis, only eight total shots. I mean, just what a big turnaround from last game. I mean, Houston came repaired. I mean, they're well-rested going into the conference tournament. I believe uh, the factor in that last game against Memphis, I mean, just tired legs playing four games in eight days and able to get Carlton and Fabian White going. Also, you know, Kyler Edwards hit some good shots today. I mean, struggling the floor later on in the game, but then he yeah, had Jamal Shedd at the end of the game hitting that big three. But Houston up 10 was really what sealed it, and then, you know, Still in the basketball, driving to that basket, get that flagrant. I mean, that's what sealed the game. For sure. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about specifics. Dayon, you talked about Jamal Shedd. He had – he to me, he hit the dagger at late in the second half when it was about a seven-point game. He hit a three from the – I believe it was the top of the key, somewhere up top that made it a ten-point game with, like, less than three minutes left. To me, that sealed the deal. And come around Houston – Forces, uh, 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 they get a step on defense. He comes out on the fast break, and then you have Alex Lomax come and give him a hard foul that sent Jamal Shedd flying into under the basket. Um, but at, what, what was the impact that Jamal Shedd had tonight, especially after against Tulane, after the the good performance he had in the in the conference quarterfinals against Cincinnati? Shedd was kind of uh, a bit more quiet when you compared it to to his opening game. But once again, felt his impact, and I think the most important key stat here: six assists, just like he did against Cincinnati, zero turnovers. A day on I'll let you go first. I mean, it's not enough words to describe what, what he meant to this team in that in that game and all season. Just look at all the easy opportunities that he um created for Josh and others. And so not only that, just his leadership, his temperament. I think he's he's the coach on the floor. I, Coach Sampson says that about his point guards, and, and he is an extension of that. And I uh, just mentioned how after he took that hard foul, how he made sure he got his guys ready first, and then he let his emotion out, which only fired up the team even more. And so, but his play specifically, I mean, he just continues to develop throughout the entire season. That big shot, like he hit those shots like that, that probably will come um, in a tournament. And so just him being locked and loaded, being ready, um, developing game by game, getting better and better, it's been a sight to see because Coach Sampson said it's a lot of meat on that bone with Jamal Shedd. And he had, if he has the will to be great, in which I think he does, he will be great because he's already good, damn good at that. Yeah, and even after that hard foul, you had Kyler Edwards, you had Fabian White going up to Alex Lomax, kind of letting him know, hey, you can't do that to our guy. That's Jamal Shedd. I, I think that that shows just the, the type of culture that Houston has. There are no pushovers. They're not going to let anything go. I give, I'll, I'll let you go uh, second. What, what were your thoughts from uh, Jamal Shedd's performance? Uh, he was great. Um, it did hurt a little bit when he got into foul trouble. He had a couple of bad fouls. I think there was one where he swiped at that he shouldn't have. And then his fourth foul where he picked up, I think he just didn't recognize that he already had three fouls. But then when he's in the game, you see his impact immediately, what he's able to do, how he's able to get 
the bigs involved um, for the Houston Cougars. And then I, I wanted to just highlight, like, even when he had guys step up for him after that flagrant foul, he was trying to get – he got right back up and he was trying to get everyone to calm down. So that speaks to the level of, you know, leadership that he has for the Houston Cougars. And I really enjoyed his game today. He It was almost like mistakeless basketball. And Justin? I think one of the biggest uh, plays of the game was in transition on defense where Fabian White knocked the ball, ball out of one of the players' hands, got the big turnover. And also probably one of the biggest ones at the very end was the Memphis tried to do outlet pass, and it was Taze Moore, you know, jumped high in the air, flicked the ball right out of the hands of a Memphis player, right, right near the paint, got the turnover. I mean, just plays that – Plays like that is just winning basketball. Yeah, for sure. And real quickly, uh, the American Athletic Conference just announced our all-tournament team. A lot of Houston on this team. Uh, I'll start from the guards' perspective. Kyler Edwards named to the all-tournament team. Tajay Moore is named on the all-tournament team. Fabian White named to the all-tournament team. And then the other two rounded out by Memphis players, DeAndre Williams and Jaden Duran. Those are the five uh, that were named, if you haven't already, the all-tournament team. Um, just your thoughts, three Cougars, Kyler Edwards, like we mentioned, he he kind of struggled in the opening round against Cincinnati, turned it around against uh, against Tulane on Saturday, hit six threes, and again uh, against Memphis, he hit a couple of crucial uh, key threes early in the first half that kind of kept Houston in momentum, kept them ahead. Uh, your overall takeaways on, and obviously, of course, Fabian White was the outstanding player, so of course he had his spot penciled in. I'll go first. Uh, Dayon, you can, you can take it away. Yeah, I think that's a good good tournament team. Um, De- Tajay definitely deserves it. He he had another big game today. I'm just uh, amazed that when the ball is in his hands, something good happens often. And so um, he definitely deserves it. Kylo's deserving of it, not only the good scoring, but he also always plays winning basketball, whether his shot is falling or not. Of course, Fabian, Jalen Duran, he, he was the best player on the floor, like Coach Sampson said. He, he really had a great game, so well-deserved, man. I think I think that um, um, they got the list right. I, I definitely say they got the list right. Active Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought they did too. I mean, you watch just speaking on Memphis players. DeAndre Williams is a beast, and then when you look at Jalen Duran, he that guy. I think he just turned eighteen, right? Um, maybe I don't I don't know when, but this guy he looks like a man already, a man amongst boys. Just the way he's built physically and his athleticism and what he can do. I was very impressed actually with his decision-making and his playmaking. Um, He doesn't panic whenever he gets double teamed. He makes the right reads, makes the right passes. You know, I thought he was great for, um, for Memphis, but yeah, I I can't say enough about Tajay Moore, like what he did for the Houston Cougars today. I'm looking at this box score from, I think the UH uh, athletics um, website and it's showing that his plus minus was 26. So that, I mean, that to me speaks to his ability, what he can do defensively, offensively. I think he had what, eight assists today, uh, f- uh, four rebounds, and then he was in double figures for points. You know, so I'm happy for him. Like him getting a, a, to- a conference tournament team, that's, you know, that speaks to the level of a play that he can he can get to. And going forward, as we obviously head into the NCAA tournament, I think those three players are going to be key, especially when it comes to Kyler Edwards' shooting. I think Akibu's you that said it after Cincinnati, where if Kyler Edwards is hitting his shot, Houston, I think it was in that game, 
uh, they they would have ended up winning it, but it would have been over. I mean, by the time the second half rolled around, just in terms of what uh, offensive firepower that it gives Houston that they've been missing for uh, spurts during the season. But once again, another performance by Houston where the offense was uh, phenomenal, especially in that first half. They were hitting shots. Um, uh, the interesting stat, they assisted on 20 of their 25 made field goals in this game, which is just ridiculous. And it just goes to show it seems like this offense is kind of clicking at the right time. And once again, it was led by Fabian White early, but um, it, it's all across the board. It's not just, you know, Jamal Shedd that, that was able to get six assists, but look at Tajay Moore. He's become a very good playmaker. He racked up eight assists and, and similar to Jamal Shedd, he only had one turnover. I think that's the ratio that you'll live with. Eight one is pretty darn good. Kyler Edwards, he assisted on five baskets himself. And the thing about their assist, the way they were doing it is through uh, dribble penetration. They're getting into the paint. They're forcing the defense to have to collapse on them. And then they're feeding, you know, Josh Carlton. He got a lot of uh, easy baskets especially in the second half. They're feeding Jaywan Roberts. They're feeding Fabian White. And I think that's a success. That's a recipe for success for Houston. Yeah, I was really impressed with that ball movement in the first half. I mean, especially going down the stretch of the game. I mean, you had the players going down on the sideline, going around the perimeter, down the baseline. And then uh, you had Kyler Edwards. I mean, had that nice feed into Josh Carlton. Really one of the biggest dunks of the game. Kind of set, you know, U of H apart down the stretch, extend that lead. Yeah, the ball movement was something that I was more so impressed with, you know, this game. Uh, sometimes UH likes to play their back to the basket, play slow, but I felt like they were a little up-tempo throughout the game, especially in the second half. I think that caused them at the beginning of the second half, they had like an 8-0 run. Um and then later on, they, they went on a big, I think, 9 or 10-0 run, something like that. But that was, I think, a lot of it was them being able to push the pace on Memphis as opposed to, you know, that UH. Their normal game is to slow the ball down, get the ball side to side, get it in and out, you know, get get Fabian White um, posts up, get Josh Carlton posts up. But with Jalen Duren's, um his physicality, it's kind of hard to just try to post up Josh Carlton every play. So, I thought they tried to just get the ball quick into the next open guy's hands and they were able to get it done. For sure. And, and to that point, I think it was real uh, pivotal, especially in the first half where we mentioned that both Houston and Memphis were doing a good job defensively. And, and overall, Houston, in terms of th this might have been the, the the best defensive performance they had to come out just in terms of they were locked in from the get go. They did a good job of collapsing and, and, and really limiting Memphis's bigs in the first half. I know in the second half, Jalen Dern started going. That, that was the key into their run. But early that that helped them create that that cushion and, and they never let it go. I think that was crucial, and, I, and Akib, I, I'll go to you again, but in terms of uh, Tajay Moore's playmaking, I think that's going to be another X factor in the NCAA tournament because it's something that, that they're going to need, especially like you mentioned today. Jamal Shedd got in foul trouble. They need multiple players to be able to, to create the offense, not only create for the bigs, but be able to um, keep the offense afloat and then not have to rely on just solely Jamal Shedd to be that playmaker. Yeah, and uh, that's the beauty of this team is, and we've been saying this throughout all the post-game shows, uh, that you can get buckets or make get good, great plays from any one of the Houston Cougar players. Like the other day, it was Jawan Roberts, who like sometimes you might not expect that, but it's just that next man up mentality. And a guy like Tajay Moore, he's extremely important because he doesn't 
you know, sometimes here and there, I, he makes those wild plays where he, Coach Sampson has brought up, you know, that he's like a, I think he's like a quarterback trying to, some, something along those lines, like <laughs> throw a touchdown or, you know, or he's going to throw a pick, something like that. Um, but I just like his, the offensive game, like he, he spreads the floor out. He gets those corners jump shots that are, at times are very crucial. He's able to post up smaller guards, get to his spot, score over them. I saw a couple of mid-range jump shots he made again. You know, I keep mentioning his mid-range game and how, you know, how effective it is, but it speaks a lot. And I, I mentioned earlier in this, uh, in the show that, you know, his plus minus was 26. So that tells you how impactful he was when he was on the floor. For sure. Uh, and Justin, do you have any comments on just how, uh, in terms of Houston, they have to be able to have, you know, Tajay more, they have to have Kyler Edwards be more uh, playmakers, not just relying on Jamal Shedd. Yeah, we saw that today with Kyler Edwards had five assists. I mean, a lot of great dishes and really what he was most important with today. I mean, he had 10 rebounds. I mean, had more rebounds than White and Carlton combined. I mean, he really came up huge on the boards today, but you know, when his shot's not going, I mean, that's what you do with the play man- playmaking and the rebounding and even got a few steals on the day. And on that note, we'll slide it over back to Dayon Dunlap, who's been uh, listening into Memphis's postgame Zoom conference after, uh, obviously, of course, after the, the, the championship game between Houston and Memphis. They ended up making the NCAA tournament as a ninth seed in the West region. So, I mean, they were fairly in that and they were really uh, locked in it. it once again, they're going to be a two-bid lead. The American Athletic Conference will be. Um, it doesn't look like MSMU will make it, but they still got to, to get the final regions in. But, Dayan, what 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 were your takeaways from Penny Hardaway and Memphis's availability? Uh, I mean, just is it talking about um, celebrating getting to the tournament because that was the ultimate goal. But Comedia is kind of asking him about he doesn't seem – it seems bittersweet, and he's like – I mean, he, he's disappointed in the loss because he feel like they could have won, but he's happy that they made it to the tournament. But um, something I wanted to add to what you guys were, were just saying while I was listening in, what, what stood out to me during the game was um, 20 assists on 25 made field goals. That's something we talked about yesterday. Houston moves the ball. The ball doesn't stick. They don't just go to their post-up game and they move because we saw some really, really good ball movement, passing up good shots to get great shots. If they continue to do that and play as well as they're playing offensively, we already know with the defense and the rebounding how that's going to bring. But adding really good offense to what they already do, I think they're going to be really good. And and it's going to be a tough test against a, um, a pretty good UAB team. For sure. And and on that note, uh, I did want to put on the screen the official the entire South bracket. Uh, give me a second to pull it up. This is going to be via the Twitter account of the official NCAA uh, Twitter account. And uh, let's see here. You guys can see it on the screen. The official South bracket as uh, for a second. Let's let's remove our faces for for good. Just focus in on the bracket and then we'll bring each other back in. So. Obviously, of course, we already talked about it. Five seed Houston, they take on UAB. That will be on Friday. If they were to advance in the second round, a potential matchup with Illinois, who they will play. Chatta, I'm going to end up butchering this. Chattanooga, I believe that's how you say it. Obviously, the number one seed in the region, Arizona. Seton Hall, the A seed. And the number two seed, Villanova. So just top to bottom, when you think of the region, what, what are your overall thoughts? I think, obviously, of course, the teams that stand out, Arizona's put together a very significant, uh, strong season the entire year. Tennessee, who in the SEC championship game, they um, 
I mean, they had a strong showing against Texas A&M. Obviously, of course, Villanova, they're one of those blue blood programs that are always at the top of the NCAA tournament more often than not. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, I mean, looking at the uh, this is a South region. Uh, it's a tough region, but at the same time, I think it's it's almost like a good scenario for UH as far as like if you're looking at the other teams, you know, you don't have to go up against like a Duke or a um, or a Gonzaga, some of the top tier teams. So, I think um, this is this is great for you for UH. Although we got fifth seed, I think it's like looking. It's looking pretty nice for them to make a. They could possibly make a deep run. Um, of course, they got to get through UAB. UAB is um, is a tough team. They just won their conference tournament, uh, and then also they have uh, Jelly Walker, who's who's a beast who averages twenty points a game, and um, he's like a highlight reel himself. He has a huge, a huge Instagram following, huge Twitter following. Um, but like a lot of guys know him to be a great player and a great scorer and a great playmaker. So, you know, he's going to be someone that UH has to look, not look past. And they're definitely going to have to give it their all on the perimeter and guard him defensively. Damn, Justin, either of you uh, want to take it away? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good region, South region, a lot, a lot of good teams. Just focusing on Houston's definitely um, a good chance to advance. You got to take it a game at a time. I think all this experience that they have throughout the season, the short playing on short rest, only playing eight players, all of that, I think, which Coach Sampson will do a great job prepping them and getting them ready mentally to come out and perform and play Houston basketball. Like um, like you just said, I mean UAB has has some good players, uh, won a conference championship. Like you just said, one player averaging twenty points. But for Houston, I think it's like if they can continue to play like they're playing offensively, I think they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, any given moment, you can't just focus on one player and say we stop him, that we beat Houston because other players will step up. And so, uh, I mean, I, I'm like, yeah, it's a good region. I think Houston has, has a good shot to advance deep, but you got to take a, a game at a time. For sure. And Justin, any any thoughts, any takeaways from the, the region? Yeah, I think it's a pretty favorable region. I mean, you got tough Arizona team. You got a tough Villanova team, but pretty much any other teams, I mean, it's pretty favorable for Houston, but just got to prepare, you know, each game. And then like what we had last year, I mean, dominated the first round and then we struggled with the 11 seed Rutgers last year. I mean, just got to be prepared for every game. For sure. And on that note, we'll kind of segue a little bit more and transition more into the Memphis-Houston matchup again. I, I think I want to go back into Fabian White and just the impact that he had from the get-go. It, it reminded me of at the end of the 2019-20 season when Memphis had Precious Ochoa. And it was the last game of the regular season. And I remember that Fabian White, once again, he put he put up his best performance that year. I think he finished with like 18 points and 14 rebounds. And it was something that, that he felt it was going to carry him with a lot of momentum going into, obviously, of course, COVID forced the cancellation of, of March Madness and all, all that good stuff that year. But uh, he felt that that was really going to propel him into the 2020-21 season. Then, of course, he ends up suffering the torn ACL in the offseason and, and it, it, the rest is history from there. He makes ends up making a late push in February, but 
I think it was similar because in this game, again, he, he's game time decision. He's a question mark with the back uh, tightness was the way the Houston described it uh, after post game. And, you know, he's going through the warmups everyone's recording him. All the cameras are on him. But obviously, of course, I, I mean, even Kelvin Sampson, he had high praise for Jalen Duran. He said, well, not only is he a first round pick, he's a, a large lottery pick in the NBA draft. Fabian White, he, he wanted a challenge. He wanted those. Um, he gets up for these matchups like this, and it reminds me of what how he did against Achua because he did it back then against a number another first round pick, and then once again he's ready. It's going to be this was his last uh, game against an American Athletic Conference foe. He won't return next season, and I think he took that matchup personally, and you saw it. Uh, I think it was in the. Um, I can't remember if it was Cincinnati or Tulane matchup, but the broadcasters mentioned how uh, Fabian White has kind of become the the personality for this team. He he's kind of the the one that, that motivates the team. He gets all the the he gets the team up motivated in terms of spirit and stuff like that. And once again, every time I think it was against the Andre Williams in the stretch, they're drawing at it after a uh, after a possession. They're going back, and even the referees have to tell them, "Hey, you know, we're we're keeping our eyes on you." But uh, I think this is that's really when Fabian White is at his best when he embraces those type of matchups. What say y'all? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think him playing, it reminded me of last year when Dejan, they knew he, he was um, dealing with an injury, but he still gutted it out. And I think the team kind of had that that urgency, not only wanting to beat Memphis, because Memphis beat them two times in the regular season, so not only that, but just knowing that you're going to have your leader, uh, Fabian, on the court with you, going to war with you, I think that kind of ignited the team even even more. And I think they got off to a good start versus slow starts in the previous two games, which helped them play in a good rhythm throughout the game. And you knew it was going to be a tough matchup back and forth. But for Houston, and specifically Fabian, man, like I said when we started, I mean, you could tell he's a pro. He can play at the next level. And I just hope he gets an opportunity, whether it's a two-way contract or that he gets drafted, whatever the chance may be, wherever he goes overseas. I think his game definitely translates, especially when you go to the next level, the floor spreads even more because there's no defense. I mean, because there is a defense of three seconds, so you can't just plan stand in the paint. And so I think his game translates over well, especially here in college basketball. I think he's a positionless player who, I mean, who can do things inside and outside. And so um, I think with his leadership, the confidence that he's playing with, um, how he stays level-headed. You never really see Fabian lose his cool. Uh, you see him on TV, he seems like he talks a little trash, but I think you got you got to love that as a teammate. And so I think with Fabian playing the way he is under his leadership with Coach Sampson and, and the entire team, I think this team is a good region. I mean, what, the top four seeds, we just showed the South region. I think Arizona's tough. Tennessee's good. Illinois is good. Um, but, I mean, Houston – I think they have to like where they're at. Got to take a game at a time. In my opinion, they got the best coach in the country. Yeah, uh, you know, not enough can be said about Fabian White's game. Um, I mean, I think uh, in the post game, I think in the interview on the broadcast, uh, Coach Sampson was saying how he's like a leader, but then also he's also he's our best player right now. I think out of the last seven games, he scored 20 plus points. Out of the last six, uh, out of the last seven games, he scored, yeah, 20 plus points in, in four or five of those games. So he's like stepped up in a big way. We were, we were looking, you know, maybe towards, I think the, the Houston Cougars were looking at Kyler Edwards as trying to be that guy for us. But then, you know, his shooting struggles happened uh, midway through the season. And that's where Fabian's 
Fabian White stepped up and he hasn't even really looked back. And he gets he gets very timely blocks and um, he always Fabian also gets makes the right plays defensively as well. And he's able to challenge those guards out on the perimeter, you know, even in the low block with bigs as well. Like so he's kind of he's like almost your Swiss army knife in terms of how he can almost guard one through five. Um, and he's, you know, I'm looking at Terry Smith and okay. So yeah, I was just reading that on the, on the bottom, but yeah, like he's that, I think Joe Mendez, he, he wrote Fabian is a dude and he is that dude. Like he, he, we were able to go to him so many times throughout the game when we really needed a bucket. And tonight he did just that, even coming off a, a back injury, you know? Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. I remember in this game against Memphis, he he had a there was an instance when Fabian White Jr. was guarding. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I, I believe it was uh, Malcolm Dandridge, uh, but I remember it was either him or, or Williams, one of those two bigs. But they were at the top at the three point line. Fabian White's guarding him. He pokes the ball away. He goes into the backcourt and Fabian White goes out there and he chases after him. They get into the backcourt. He adds pressure. Um, and the big for Memphis was able to recover, keep possession, but then Memphis stayed, uh, Fabian White stayed on him and it forced a bad pass to, to Alex Lomax and it ended up being in a turnover right there. And I think, like you said, Akib, it shows how, um, how versatile Fabian White is not only, but I mean, just look at what he's been able to do offensively to his game, expand to, um, Dan, you can hear the uh, the the post game show. Dan, you're gonna have to mute. <laughs> no, but Actually, Andy, yeah, to 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 your point, you were saying, um, yeah, like that was like a a high IQ level play from Fabian at the half court. You know, he also didn't just immediately challenge or go after that ball. He kind of showed he was going to stay back and then he went off after that ball he didn't obviously didn't get it but that wasn't the point it was like to put pressure in the in the in the backcourt uh whenever it was that loose ball so uh yeah like to speak on Fabian White like he's he's just a beast and he makes these high IQ plays that you know only senior senior level players can make Justin on that note uh not necessarily on Fabian White but maybe anyone someone else we haven't talked to who really stood out to you in this game and other than Fabian White, it has to be uh, Josh Carlton. Just the way he handled himself down the stretch. I mean, had those big plays on the inside. I mean, our guards are able to dish it to him. I mean, th- th- those were uh, big plays. I mean, down the stretch and then him able to hit his free throws after missing a few. Just big plays right there. For sure. And, you know, on that note, Kelvin Sampson has – 
headed to the podium. He's speaking uh, to reporters, so we'll have uh, Dayan join us shortly on that note. But I want to talk about something that we, we've mentioned in the past two uh, shows, and that's bench production. Um, and, you know, last night it was Jaywan Roberts who had a big role for Houston coming off the bench. He had a double-double. He had 10 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, today, a much different tell um, for Houston. And it, it didn't matter because they still had success against Memphis. But you look at down the scoreboard, uh, Reggie Chaney only had two points. Jaywan Roberts only had two points. And Ramon Walker went scoreless. So that, that was the combined bench production for Houston, four points. Um on two for four shooting, which, you know, on any other given night, we'd probably be uh, pointing to that, talking about how they have to, um, you know, be better in that department. But I think really what helped Houston in, in this game was how motivated the starters were to, to send a message, especially with how Memphis had reacted to the end of, of certainly the second game, but even the first game at Fertitta Center where they were feeling themselves. They felt like they had surpassed Houston. They felt like they had proven a point. And I think, like I said, Fabian White from the get-go set the tone that Houston wanted to make a statement. And I think that's how the starters were able to carry and, and like I said, dominate meant for more, more often than not and stay ahead of them. What say y'all? Yeah, they're definitely prepared for Memphis this game. Getting beat twice at home and then just that, you know, domination by Memphis in the last game of the season. So Houston was really ready for this game and really wanted that win and after all that, I got to say Memphis pack in the air. Yeah, and, uh, you know, losing those two games to Memphis was big. I think that kind of uh, knocked us off a little bit, uh, you know, in the seat, in, in our seeding. We I, I thought we were going to be a four seed, but I think splitting a game with Memphis in the regular season uh, would have been helpful towards, for sure, locking up that four seed, but uh, and then losing at home was a tough one in, in the way we lost. But I think for bragging rights purposes, like winning the conference tournament and dominating them in that in this fashion, uh, score was um, 71-53, so 18-point victory. I think they went on, a, uh, I believe, a like a 11-0 run the last 243. So, like, that shows you that they wanted it more from start to finish, and they got it done. So, I mean – just proud of the team, how they how they reacted, how they handled. You know, uh, Akib, I think you might you might be listening to Kelvin Sampson's post game uh, availability because he literally just mentioned that um, in terms of the lack of uh, really what's probably worked against Houston being one of those top four seeds in terms of how they they struggled against quad one wins and and being able to get those. Um, they managed to get one today after beating Memphis, but he mentioned how, you know, before the schedule started, before the season started, uh, they had scheduled those games. You know, uh, you go back to Virginia, that matchup was supposed to be good. Oregon, uh, they played Butler. They played Oklahoma State in, in the neutral site. Obviously, of course, Oklahoma State uh, couldn't make the NCAA, the NCAA tournament regardless, but they did have, at least on paper at the beginning of the season, they had those matchups that they expected to to give them those high-quality wins. It just didn't pan out. And even when you look, and they lost five games, two of those came against Memphis, who they were locked in the regular season against Alabama uh, when they were still healthy, when they had Marcus Sasser. That, that game comes down to the final possession um, in controversy where Houston had the chance at the very end to at least tie – I believe it was to tie the game. It might have been to, to go ahead at the very end. And then against Wisconsin, too, it comes down to the final position where Jamal Shedd has the ball last, and they just run out of time after you know falling in a deep hole. So 
it's not that when when it came to quad one opponents, they just completely you know fell apart, or it seemed like there was a uh, you know giant gap in talent. Like Houston was with them with all those quad one teams the entire season, and at the end of the day, I guess that's what ended up hurting them. But I agree with your sentiments, Akib. I feel like they should have been at the very least, you know, the last four seed out of um, all the four seeds selected. It just wasn't the case. And also agree. I mean, I think we should have been a four seed. Uh, we played teams like, you know, Oregon, Butler, and uh, Virginia. You know, we thought they were going to be tournament teams coming into the season, but they, they ended up underperforming. But we still, you know, beat those teams, you know, pretty, pretty good amount. And, you know, just those short losses against Alabama, Wisconsin, where we started off slow and able to come back the second half and, you know, Jamal Shadow in that last possession couldn't get a shot off and learned from that going into the Wisconsin game. Got that feed into Edwards for that final game-winning dunk at the end of the game. Just stuff like that, how U of H got better throughout the season and able to learn from their losses. Uh, coming into the against Memphis, made adjustments against their bigs. All of their bigs got going in the second half, but were able to settle down and make adjustments and able to win this game. Yeah, and just to Justin's point, when you mentioned all those teams that we played, I remember tweeting out before um, UH even played uh, or their uh, their um, non-conference games, I remember tweeting how majority of those teams were NCAA tournament teams just, their, just this past season, year prior. And I thought that would definitely put UH, if we ran through those a lot of those teams, which we did, uh, that would definitely put us at a at a high seeding, and I, I mean we we are fifth seed, which is like a a solid, you know, solid position in the NCAA tournament to be in. But you know, I did mention like those games earlier, like if you know we dominated Virginia, for example, and Virginia had just come off a NCAA tournament run, so it was just for me personally, I thought that would have you know those games would have helped had those teams you know panned out and played the way that probably they should have played with given their talent. And on that note, uh, this is real difficult because I have Kelvin Sampson in one year and you guys in the other year, but he, <laughs> he's, he's talking about how, um, you know, it's going to be real big for Houston. Once again, they getting that much up against uh, UAP, they won't play until Friday. That's something we mentioned that they made it to the championship again. So they literally in the past 15 days, they have played seven games, which is an absurd amount of games. Obviously they had, the break from last Sunday to this Friday when they didn't have to play. They're going to have a similar uh, break again before they start the first round of the NCAA tournament. And again, much needed rest, obviously, even though Fabian White put up the, the good performance he did, he, I imagine he's still got to be uh, dealing with some type of back issue. Um, and it gives a, a chance for the entire roster really to, to rest up. Like I said, they're going to run out in an eight-man rotation. If, uh, if all goes well, even if it doesn't go well at the minimum, that those eight players are going to be the ones that they've ran with since Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark went down. And I think that's going to be key. What say, uh, do you think, do you agree with Kevin Sampson that them not having to play until Friday is going to be a big bonus for Houston? Yeah, Justin, you can go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, same thing after the Memphis loss at the end of the season, they got the rest and were able to really uh, go through the tournament, you know, pretty hand handedly. Although they struggled in the first half against Cincinnati, able to rebound and blow them out in the second half and adjust. But rest is really going to be a big key. You know, the short rotation, no Sasser, no Mark. You know, everybody's going to have to step up on the bench, especially, you know, Edwards and Ramon Walker. They're going to have pretty big minutes. 
going into the the tournament. But yeah, rest is definitely going to be key. Yeah, and you saw how I think prior to the um, AAC tournament, I think UH had like four or five days rest, I believe. And you saw how much better they played throughout this whole tournament. They pretty much dominated all three teams that they had to play. Um, and you saw even tonight, today with Fabian White, he basically didn't really play in the last game. A couple of plays, that's about it. And that kind of, even though he was dealing with the back, you, you saw it and then the the broadcast team you know took note of that or they made it a point to say like he basically is having an extra day rest you know not, yeah. not having to play that entire game now we don't know what Fabian White's back is like obviously he played like a beast today 20 points we have no idea you know as far we probably need to get an update after this game maybe in this in the uh, post-game interview they'll update us but you know we don't know how how he's dealing it with that with that back for sure. And on that note, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about UAB. And really, uh, that they're going to face a team, obviously, a Conference USA team, that they're hot. They won their last se- they've won their last seven games. They're in the middle of a seven-game winning streak. They won 27 games. They finished 27-7 and seven on skin in Conference USA. And when it comes to them, they're led by their guard, Jordan Walker, who put up 20 points a game. But Trey Jamison, for them, caused a lot of problems. He averages about eight rebounds a game. Um, when it comes to UAB, I, I believe it was Dayon that said, you know, it reminds them, um, you know, all these teams in March Madness, it, it, it doesn't matter what they did or what conference they played in. Once they're in the tournament, they're, they're it's any given night, single game elimination, anything can happen. It takes one player to get hot. Um, when it comes to Houston, the teams that have given them problems during the regular season, uh, it's been a little different depending on, you know, in non-conference the teams they played before. But just going back to see what Memphis was able to do against them in the regular season, uh, athletic bigs, lengthy bigs, uh, physical bigs, they can go up there and they can contest Houston and really keep them off the boards and, and be able to do a good job. You saw against Tulane how Houston was able to dominate them on the glass. They killed them, 30 nothing second chance opportunities. That wasn't the case against Memphis where they were able to hold their own. I think that's – if there's some blueprint to be Houston, that that's really it right there when it comes to being able to have physical matchups or – very fast guards that can provide matchups and get into the paint and, and wreak havoc. Uh, for you guys, what, what do you guys feel like Houston? What is the one area that they are really kind of vulnerable when it comes to to matchups in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think um, like you you kind of said it with those quick guards that are you know, and then also teams that are athletic. Um, I don't know UAB's team top to bottom, but I do know about Jordan Walker. Just you know, following him throughout high school, like. He's one of those guys that are on the hoop mixtapes and all over YouTube with, you know, and he's, he's called jelly for a reason. He could finish around the rim. He got that, he has that nice jelly going on with his, uh, with his layup and he has, he has a nice layup package, but um, guys like that, if I think the way UH plays though, other teams have to be cautious of us. Like they probably haven't played a team that physical, um, in their conferences, UAB, um, I think, uh, what conferences, what conference are they in the, they're they in conference, conference, USA, conference so USA. I doubt. Yeah. So I doubt they've gone up against a team like UH where they're that physical, where they, like, you know, they get all these offensive rebounds. And I think the key going back to that Memphis, the Memphis game today, the key was, although, um, we did beat Memphis in second chance points, um, mm-hmm. and also in, in, uh, points off turnovers, 
So that's a that's a thing that other teams are probably not going to be used to is like having to take care of the ball extremely well against a good Houston team that plays a lot of offense where they trap. So you have to be a, a phenomenal team with a I think with a passing big like a Jalen Duran or like a uh, or on Wisconsin for example they're big who who was a great passer who could spread the floor who could shoot threes. Um, you got to have guys like that, and I, I'm not sure that UAB has that uh, type of player for um, for their team. Justin, you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, what Dayon was saying earlier, I mean, we just got to take one game at a time, and I'm sure Coach Samson will have them all prepared against UAB. But, yeah, just, I mean, take care of the boards, you know, make sure it's take good timely shots and Cougars should be okay. I mean, just keep playing the good aggressive defense and, you know, really controlling the boards on both sides of the ball. And on that note, obviously, like you mentioned, Akib, uh, UAB is a conference USA team. UH, uh, I believe they only played one conference USA team in the regular season, which was Rice, literally the second game of the season. And uh, Houston, uh, they would uh, sing – dominantly beat them 79 to 46 in the two regular season matchups uh uab had against rice uh rice actually beat them in the first meeting at tudor not tudor for at rice um they beat them handily but in the second meeting uab kind of similar they they dominated uh the owls in that second outing so i i guess if you can use that as comparison that's something where you can uh kind of be a, a, a bit of a barometer to see how these two teams have played against uh, common opponents. But uh, just looking up and down their roster again, like you, you mentioned, uh, Akib, really, it, it, it seems like it all starts um, with their guards, which uh, even going back um, to Wisconsin, going back to Alabama that they had for Houston, they gave them problems uh, with, with the kind of a multi-headed monster that those teams have. I mean, even Wisconsin, it was uh, Johnny Davis that really gave him problems. And and I feel like that speed and length is what, what's given Houston the most problems this season. What say y'all? Yeah, definitely. That, that's, that's, that's been the case. And especially teams that are high-scoring offenses, um, they're the ones that they know how to move the ball well and get through traps. And, um, you know, they have good – they have good set plays, and I think UAB, you know, has that potential. They, they score over, they score like eight of eighty-five to ninety points a game. Just looking up and down their all their box scores, like, uh, oh, we just lost Akib again, uh, Justin. I'll let you take it away. They rarely yeah, have we... a game where they score. Can you can you hear me? I don't know. I, I think I got kicked off for a second. Yeah, you blacked out. You're back. You're good. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying, like, looking at UAB's, uh, all their box scores, like, they hardly have a game where they score under 85 points. So they're a high-scoring team. And uh, But I think if they can shut down uh, Jelly Walker, you know, he's a guy that uh, will – I mean, he's going to pose problems for UH. But going back and looking at him, like, if you can shut him down, I don't think UH has a problem. Justin, is there anything you'd like to add before we kind of segue to our next talking point? Yeah, I just think we kind of struggle with size on the inside and uh, just quick guards. I mean, I can set, said it earlier about the Wisconsin game. I mean, they just have good bigs on the inside. I can pass it out, especially with the double teams. I mean, that was what Houston uh, struggled with in that first half. 
was they didn't switch up the defense. They kept double teaming and their bigs for Wisconsin is able to kick it out and kept on hitting three, especially uh, Johnny Davis. And, you know, I think that's something they can uh, just on going forward. And uh, y'all talking about the <laughs> guy from UAB. I uh, kind of have it similar to okay. the Syracuse game last year. They had a great score in Buddy Boheim and uh, Houston just absolutely shut him down. Yeah, I will say this when it comes to Dayon always uh, likes to say, he says that he believes that Kelvin Sampson is the best, you know, head coach in the entire uh, sport of college basketball. And that's one thing that Sampson and his coaching staff is going to do. They're going to figure out what UAB does best. They're going to find a way um, to attack and to try to shut them down. And I think the key player for Houston is going to be Kyler Edwards, something that that Sampson said after the game against, uh, the, I believe it was against Tulane, where, you know, he said that Kyler Edwards was due for, for – uh, a good shooting performance, but he also called Kyler Edwards their best defender uh, that, that Houston has, certainly on the perimeter. I think he's going to be key uh, matching up with um, UAB's best player. And uh, Akib, so uh, tell me a little bit more. Jelly, he has a whole brand. Uh, what, what, what's this Jelly? I, I, I'm seeing yeah. it a lot on Twitter. Yeah, it's like a brand of, you know, I think starting back maybe three, four years ago. I mean, I just, for me, like I love watching you know, highlight videos on YouTube, like growing up. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I grew, grew up watching like the Akil Car videos or, you know, guys like that. And he's, he, uh, Jelly Walker is one of those guys that he has those type of mixtapes and, you know, he's fun to watch. I'm not, you know, I thought he should have been re- uh, recruited to maybe a team that's, you know, in a power five conference, but that's just me. You could tell like, I mean, he, he's averaging 20 a game as a junior um, and so you could tell how good, great he is as a basketball player. But yeah, there's this brand of you know jelly. So guys that could, <laughs> that guys that know yeah, how to finish yeah. the ring. Yeah, he's got all the the flashy moves. Uh, does um, Dayon joining us from the uh, no sponsored yet hotline? Dayon, you're just coming us uh, once again from the Calvin Sampson Houston's. A post game availability reporters. Um, one thing I was able to, to try to tune in with one year and listen to a couple of things. I think uh, the big thing that that he uh, Calvin Sampson pointed out was it's it's big for them that they don't have to play until Friday. But what were kind of the other takeaways that Calvin Sampson said in in his availability? Yeah, that's one of them. Um, he spoke about needing rest, and so I think in, in in that in mind, I think I think I'm not sure he would mention in his team like we know how how much we need rest, but we also have experience playing on short turnarounds. And so he also mentioned that um, Walker, who's playing for UAB, playing for Tulane last season, and he said we couldn't guard him last year. I don't know how we'll guard him this year. So I'm sure there'll be a, a conscious effort to put a, a good game plan to kind of defend him well. He said he's coming off. He had 45 points a, a few, a couple of days ago. So he's more than a willing scorer. So Coach Sampson said on, on the bus ride back to Houston from Dallas, from Fort Worth, that he's going to watch two or three of UAB or try to two of UAB's games, then get rest and just put together a game plan. So those were some of the things that stuck out to me. And, and also uh, how much the team wanted to kind of send a message about who was the best team in the conference. I mean, he said he kept he kept it simple with Fabian. Hey, Fabian, how are you feeling? Fabian said he felt felt well enough to play, and the rest is history. I mean, you see the, we see the stat line that we have on the bottom screen. Fabian, twenty points, three rebounds, and he balled out. And so, I mean, the teams look like they're locked in, of course. And I think with rest, and more importantly, they played Friday. I know 
yesterday we thought they were going to start play Thursday. And Coach Hanson said that extra day of rest is the first thing that um, stuck out to him. And he said he hasn't even had time to look at the full bracket. But I think with that rest and then putting together a game plan, I think um, Coach Sampson, I mean, he says this time it's just when to go home. It, it, it's nothing. That's about coaches and players. It's when to go home, not to the fans. You don't look at the bracket. You just pay attention to who you're playing your next opponent. For sure. And, and like uh, staying on top of Walker, he's been on tear for the last seven games dating back to the end of February against UTEP. That was the first game where he, he finished with 22 points since that game. February 26, he has finished with 20 more points in each. And Dan, like you just alluded to, against Middle Tennessee in the conference uh, championship semifinal, um, he had 40 points against Middle Tennessee. 40 points on uh, 11 makes shooting. He hit five threes in that contest, and he also dished it out three times, got a couple of rebounds. So it seems like he's going to be uh, kind of the key player to, to keep an eye on. Along those notes, stay on um, where some of the uh, players that were also in with the availability with Kelvin Sanchez, did they uh, say anything that stood out? I know um, there were a couple that were also with him at the podium. Yeah, what was um, with Josh and Fabian? I think one of the questions was to Josh about after he picked up a foul, um, Coach Sampson got on to him and he was like, he kind of went into their philosophy in that game and how he didn't follow it and picked up a foul and how Fabian kind of picked back up on that and said how Coach Sampson is a Hall of Fame coach and holds us to a higher standard. And so we're going to listen to him because we know that he's going to put us in the best position. So it just goes back into the trust that they have in Coach Sampson. And what we all know he empowers his players and, when he calls their number or their name, they're going to be ready, and, and they trusted him for a whole holiday. And on that note, like we mentioned, um, Dan, I believe it was you that said it in terms of, you know, any given any given day, there's, there's going to be a team that it could get hot, and you never know what happens. That's what makes March Madness the – that's the madness in March, just in terms of anything can happen. I, I do believe on that note again, just in terms of what some of the stuff that we've already highlighted in that Kelvin's saying rest is key. They don't have to play until Friday. And uh, the matchups, the matchups, it seems like um, Walker is going to be the guy to key on, uh, to key in on down. Something that we mentioned while you were away was just overall in terms of the season for Houston, something I guess a trend that we've seen a kind of the, the teams that have given Houston more problems have been kind of the lengthy teams, the fast teams. Speed really seems to be something that gives Houston issues. We saw uh, Memphis with their bigs, not, not only were they able to, to create for themselves, you know, DeAndre Williams, Jalen Dern, they can make plays off the dribble that at times gave Houston problems, but even going back to Alabama and Wisconsin with their, their guards that they had the matchups problems that they created for Houston. That's really where Houston was vulnerable throughout the season. What, what what would you say is the biggest area of concern for Houston heading into the NCAA tournament? I think it's really just controlling what they can control. I mean, adjusting to how the game is being called, not picking up fouls and not turning the ball over. Uh, but you're, you're spot on. I mean, quick guards, athletic bigs, I definitely have gave Houston problems. But if they can control what they control, move the basketball, like we said, 20 assists or 25 made field goals. And then yesterday, I forgot to say, but – over half of their points were assisted. If they can move the ball and, and play together offensively, I think they can, They they have a great chance. I, but controlling what they can control and not getting in foul trouble and not turning the ball over. And we talked about yesterday and playing in transition when the opportunity presents itself. They did that a lot today in against Memphis. They got out in transition, got some transition baskets in which – it's almost kind of tiring a lot when you have to execute in a half court on every single possession. So if they can do that, I mean, you got to like where, where they are. 
For sure. And on that note, we'll, we'll kind of, uh, in case you're just joining us once again, the final score, Houston, uh, the number one seed in the American Athletic Conference Tournament, defeats Memphis 71-53 to in the championship game. Houston, for the second straight year in a row, winning the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament. And like we've mentioned throughout, Fabian White Jr. really set the tone early on in the game. Coming out the get-go, a game that he was questionable to play until the, literally the final 20 minutes uh, before the game tipped off. And he really helped establish uh, the presence for Houston and then kind of uh, give Houston the cushion. Once again, Houston won't play until Friday in the NCAA tournament. They were a five seed in the South region. They will play against UAB, the University of Alabama, Birmingham on Friday as the 5-12 matchup. Uh, while we, we get close to wrapping things up, a question for the panel. And this is going to be, uh, like we mentioned, Fabian White named the most outstanding player for the American Athletic Conference. Uh, he's been a player that Calvin Sampson has said is the, the best player for Houston, um, especially down the stretch. Wood. He has been just everything that he's accomplished. He told ESPN after the game, that, or at halftime, Calvin Sampson told ESPN, um, that you know he, he just he's the, the calming presence he's been through all the battles he's been through all the wars and that's really what made the difference for Houston he he's been there he's done that uh this is going to be his fourth I want to say NCAA tournament run fourth or fifth um I'm thinking back uh so they he was on the roster when they lost to Michigan at the buzzer correct yeah this would be his I fourth yeah, if you don't if you don't count the season where there was COVID, and he, he came back last season, if you remember, so mm-hmm. this would be his fourth season where he, so he's very he's probably one of the experience. most veteran players, one of the most experienced players. Entire country, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been through it all. He's seen a lot. He's uh, seen all the different matchups. And uh, going back to last season, uh, that game against Rutgers, he was a key uh, key factor in that game where he hit a big three from the top of the key to keep Houston within striking distance before they made that run that they ultimately led to that uh, comeback against Rutgers. He's been through it all. He's been through a whole bunch of different games, a whole bunch of heartbreaks. If he's been uh, in, during that run against Michigan, when they lost in the second round against Kentucky in the sweet 16, he was obviously a part of last year's team that made it to the final four. So Houston's going to have to rely on him a lot. Uh, an X factor. So I'm going to take away Fabian White because we know what he brings to the table. Who's the key player for Houston that has to play well? Uh, we've mentioned it in the past it could be Tajay Moore, Kyler Edwards, Jamal Shedd. I'll go first, and I think really it's going to have to be uh, Tajay Moore. And the reason I say that, I think today we saw with Jamal Shedd in foul trouble, um, he had to play. He had to be a lot more cautious now, not to take anything away from Shedd. He still, like you said, he still made an impact in the game. He had well, six zero turnovers, but. Tajay Moore, and I know he had foul trouble too, but he stepped up not only in his ability to play make, he had eight assists, but he he has that multi-level versatility where he can put the ball, he can create not only for himself, but also set other players up. And I think that's going to be the biggest factor for Houston, uh, especially on Friday when the first round starts and they have to take on UAB. So what say y'all? I'll go with uh, whoever wants to take it first. You got it, Justin? I'm just going to say uh, Jamal Shedd. I mean, just, he's the floor general. Just got to keep it consistent, you know, control the floor and, you know, make timely shots and make those great passes. But I think one of my other options going to have to go to is Kyler Edwards. He's going to have to, you know, you know, keep making shots. I mean, try to stay consistent. But, you know, what he does, 
when he's not when the shots aren't falling is he got the you know five assists he can get up there and rebound and what you are saying earlier you know, he's really good defensively on the floor but if he can get that shot going we'll be pretty deadly going into the tournament I mean I like, I would I probably I would agree with Justin on Kyler Edwards but I think we won so many games with him you know playing shooting poorly um, so, but if you look at it on on the perspective of if he's doing the things that he does, like rebounding, playing defense, um, creating creating for others, then yeah, then he could definitely. I could see Kyler Edwards being a an X factor. But for me, I think it's it's. I'll agree with you for sure, Andy. It's Tajay Moore. Like rarely do I see games where when Tajay Moore is playing his best basketball, like I f- I feel like the energy level is up. The team is playing well, so. For me, it'd have to be Tajay Moore. Uh, I, I mean, both of y'all are really good answers, all three of y'all, but I'm going to have to go agree with Justin. I'm going to have to go with Jamal, whether he's in foul trouble or not. And when the games get close in a tournament, most games are close. The ball is going to be in his hands most of the time. And you look at how um, in the game against Wisconsin, he made a mistake. Then I think it was against Wichita State when he made the right play. And so – we talked about the big shot he made today. I think throughout all of his experiences throughout this season has prepared him until the big stage and what is to come in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to go with Jamal Shedd for sure. If I had to pick another one, I think I would go with Ty Zay because me and Kyler bring so much, like you said, um, Akeem. But I, I'm going to have to go with, with Jamal. I think he's going to step up to the plate, but I think he, he is the, the X factor. And on that note, so we'll, we'll go one final around the table. And this this is going to be our show until we do it again on Friday. So before the tournament starts, we have uh, the region. I, I'll, put, I'll see if I can uh, get it and put it up again. Um, but Houston, obviously, of course, to, if you're just joining us, they will start in the South region, the five seed against University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB on Friday. They will be a 12th seed. How far can this team go? What What's their ceiling? And uh, do you expect them to reach that ceiling? We'll go around the table. I'll go first. And uh, for me, I, I'm looking at the bracket. I think it's a, a certainly a very favorable region that they have have now. Obviously, of course, this is so tricky because any any given night, any team can catch fire. And, and like I said, that's what brings the mar- madness to March. But I look at it, if Houston can beat UAB, they, then assuming Illinois beats um, their matchup, it would be a four or five seed in the second round between Houston and Illinois. And I just feel like, uh, obviously, of course, when you think of Illinois, their key player is Kofi Colburn. He, the offense runs through him. But I feel like Houston is well uh, equipped to be able to match up against a team like that and kind of um, certainly not take him away completely, but at least make things difficult for Illinois and specifically for Colburn. I feel like the seeding for this team – I'm going to put Sweet 16 just because of how well the season Arizona's had. I expect them to get through their first two rounds as well. And seeing them play against UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game, it seems like they have a different gear. And like we mentioned, uh, certainly the teams that are given Houston problems are uh, teams that are fast, fast guards, physical. I think Arizona brings that to the table. But what say y'all? Dayon, uh, I'll let you go first. Um... Another thing that stuck out to me as you asked that question was Coach Sampson. He said that I think his team at the time was a, maybe a 12 seed, and they placed against a team who had Jason Terry and Richard Jefferson, who were both for pros, and they beat them, who I think they were a number one seed. 
And I remember yeah. to last year when Illinois was the number one seed, and I believe they lost their first game. And so um, I, I, I think this – I'm just throwing the seeds out the window only because I'm believing what Coach Sampson says. And I think they can go far. I think they take care of business um, against UAB and Illinois if they win or whatever. But I'm just going to take it a game at a time. I think if they take care of business, UAB, whoever – they play next. I just I trust the coach. I trust in the system. I trust in all the experience that they had this season to help prepare them uh, until the moment. Hey, hey Dayon, that's that's not the question, man. <laughs> how what's the well? We'll say what what how far? How far? Do you think this team, you think this team has enough to get past the Sweet Sixteen and possibly get back into the Elite Eight? Uh, I do. I do. I, I I do. I, I definitely believe they do. One hundred percent. Why? Because they got Coach Sampson. Simple. If, although he isn't playing, he's going to have his team in the best position and, and the opportunity to win. 100%. They're going to be prepared. They're going to be – he's going to make the in-game adjustments. He's going to play the right players no matter who it is. If you're hot, he's going to play you. And so I 100% trust in Coach Sampson. I trust in Fabe's will to win. Um, I think he stepped up tremendous along with their entire team. And so I, I, trust, in, I trust in Coach Sampson and the entire culture. Akib, I'll let you go uh, next. How far do you see this team going? Man, I'm I'm critical at times, but I'm also like I'm a believer in what Coach Sampson does, and like seeing how um, how veteran how veteran this team is with with their leadership. You have Kyler Edwards, Josh Carlton, Fabian White. You guys, you have like almost super seniors with Fabian with Fabian White with him being a fifth year guy. So like just looking at that. And then versus uh, Coffee Coburn, like definitely he's an amazing player. He's one of the best players in the country. But I think like Houston is so good at typically shutting down the other team's best players. So I'm thinking Elite Eight, man. Like just because of the, I know we don't have the shot makers like Marcus Sasser or Tremont or Quinn and Grimes, but I think we we have a I think we have a good chance to go deep and go to go to an Elite Eight game. Yeah, it's going to be the late Elite Eight for me with things, you know, go right. You know, they got to beat the teams on the boards, keep playing good defense and making timely shots. And you were saying, you know, we don't have to Mark Marcus Astor. And, you know, Shed's got to get it going, stay consistent on the floor, especially in those big moments in March, and uh, just hit those timely shots. And, you know, we can make it pretty far. But, yeah, I believe before – uh, at right after Sasser and Mark got hurt, I probably I was thinking I was pretty pessimistic. I was thinking, will we, you know, get to the round of 32 and you know be lucky, make Sweet 16? But after you know how this team has surprised me this season, you know, just with the culture of Kelvin Sampson, you know, I I believe this team can make the Elite Eight. And on that note, we bring in Chris Gardner via the no-sponsored hotline as of yet. <laughs> Chris Gardner joining us via an undisclosed location, I believe. Well, maybe, I don't know if you can disclose it. I'll let, I'll let you go and introduce yourself. I would I would disclose it, but they're not paying me to disclose it. So why should I disclose it? Um, but it's a watch party for basically for the selection show, but also it's a kickoff for the 2023 Men's Final Four, which will be in H-Town next year. So I'm here for that. Pulled up, caught the end of the U of H press conference. But good on y'all, man. All that kind of talk about Elite Eight stuff. <laughs> I'm focused on Friday. Friday, UAB. I don't look past Me anything too, Chris. beyond that. UAB, period. Because as Coach Sampson said, the Walker kid, they couldn't guard him last year. So, I mean, and they had more guards last year for Houston. So one game at a time. I'm not going past that. 
Oh, Chris, but we got to get you to answer the question with their with their uh, scene. I'm, no, but I'm picking Houston uh, to win. But other than that, because who are they going to play? I don't know who they're going to play after that. One game at a time. Houston UAB Friday. That's all I focus on. Period. Gotcha. That's why. That's why. Uh, not to bring us down, Chris. But man, you gotta you gotta have a hot take. Uh, no, but anyways, I digress. So, like you said, you uh, were able to catch the talent of Kelvin Sampson's post game availability. Um, they on uh, kind of a. Uh, fill us in a little bit but what I told Dan when he joined us the really the the thing that that kind of stood out to me was Calvin talking about how key it is going to be for Houston that they don't have to play until Friday uh what was the things that stood out to you and really what was what was kind of the main takeaway from Calvin Sampson and even some of the players that spoke after uh their <laughs> the thing that stood out to me was coach Sampson putting Fabian's love life on blast <laughs> oh no stood out to me talking about his his uh, more than one girlfriend he's been He's had in his time at UH, you know, in the five years he's known him. So, but beyond that, <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's another feather in the cap for the program. That's what it is. This is program building. For this team is now year in year out expected to make the tournament. You know, fans. Oh no, four five seed. Where should it be a four? Goodman pissing me off while he doesn't respect us, Seth Davis, blah, blah, blah. I was at UH when you guys were, weren't even around and basketball was in the doldrums. It was, it was just like a tournament. That was a pipe dream. This program is a consistent tournament team year in, year out now. I don't care who they, what seed they are. I care who they play in the first round because the matchup is important. That's the important thing. Houston, UAB, we can talk about details, all that kind of stuff later on, but Houston needs to beat UAB Friday. Important thing, the extra day of rest, that is beneficial. That's all I care about. Duarte looking at the South region and where they can play and they get to the Sweet 16. Coach Sampson, Joseph, I'm focused on UAB. And all my years covering basketball, I'm a, I'm a coach now. I'm focused on the first opponent, period. X-Factor, Chris. We gave our X-Factors. Who's your X-Factor in the game Taze against UAB? Taze Moore. Because I think he may have to guard Mr. Walker some. And athleticism will give him problems, hopefully. Taze Moore. Agreed. And and Chris, since you uh, – I know you cover a lot of Rice as well. What can you talk to – tell us more about UAB and, and what they've been able to do with Conference USA and kind of more about their season? Well, the best team was North Texas. In, in the you know throughout the conference play, but North Texas struggled, and what they lost what 42-36 in their loss, it allowed forty two points, and lost. So UAB, uh, I think Jordan Walker is his name. They like to run a gun, style of play. It's going to be interesting to see how it matches up, but I think Houston will win because of the rebounding, control the tempo, control the pace. Big men like Fabe and Josh Carlton go to work. They'll get it done. For sure. And on that note, I, I guess we'll we'll, um, we'll wrap it up with one more final uh, saying about Houston and Memphis. Once again, Houston, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, Houston with its second straight American Athletic Conference postseason championship after beating Memphis 71 to 63. To 53, 71 to 53 on Sunday in the American Athletic Conference Championship Final. 
Uh, Chris, was what was there anything that that kind of um, to put a bow on the Memphis game? To me, that stood out was obviously, of course, the story of the game. Fabian White, uh, he was a game time decision until literally twenty minutes before the game. It ends up he's going to start, and from the get go, he was really um, he made a statement. And I, I talked about how it reminded me two years ago when uh, the final game of the regular season when Houston played Memphis and they had Precious Achua, and Fabian White had one of his best games of the season then. And that kind of uh, led a lot of momentum for him going into the offseason. I feel like he gets up for, for matchups like this, especially after the high praise that Kelvin had for Jalen Duran on Saturday. What say you? Fabian set the tone with those 14 points in the first half. I'm going to be messy as we close it out here on Les Grades Cougs. Has that dude chimed in today? He has not. And I oh, I'm, 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 I'm shocked. Today. Oh, I'm shocked. I won't mention his name, but y'all know if you tuned in yesterday who I'm talking about. How you like us now? <laughs> we love it. Chris, you got messy, but we love it. That's what you say. So uh, thank you for joining us. I know on short notice, uh, making some time for us in the middle of a selection show party. We appreciate it. Uh, but we'll go down around the table. Uh, Chris, I'll let you go first. Where can people find you on social and on um, in general? Where can they find you? Thank you, young man, and great job on the show, guys. I am I'm downtown. We got four wheelers oh, flashing down the street here. <laughs> um, but uh, catch me on Twitter at VHR Review. Also, Houston Rombar Review on Instagram and YouTube. Um, I'm looking forward to the success of Less Rage Coup going forward. Hopefully, we do get some sponsors and, and people willing to advertise on this show because we believe in the product and what we can do f- with it. But, yep, I'm just uh, youthatroundbarreview.com. I'll have write-ups. I got one write-up already on the on the website posted for this, and then Rockets Pelicans videos will be on the YouTube channel later on. But, guys, great success. Look forward to, I guess, are y'all in for Friday, Friday evening or Friday afternoon or whenever the schedule is announced, the time is announced? For sure. For sure. Locked in. Fantastic. We'll Sounds good. Y'all take care. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for joining us. Uh, the unofficial post-game show of the University of Houston Athletics. Justin, I'll let you uh, plug your stuff, man. Where can people find you on Twitter? And then, uh, once again, what you do. You can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. I do play-by-play for Purdue A&M for basketball and baseball. Help around with the Podslam Pajama account. And make sure to keep looking out, hopefully, before the tournament. we got a shirt coming soon. Yes, we. I feel like that, that's going to get a lot of buzz yeah. once it does get unveiled. Uh, well, yeah. uh, hopefully it's really soon because it's a it's a real nice design. So uh, we're looking forward to that too. Akib, I'll let you go next. Um, where can people find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on um, at uh, Akib M Ghazi uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And I just want to give a quick shout out. I see Terry Smith and Joe Mendez. These guys have been keeping the chat live throughout the post-game show, so shout-out to those guys. But, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and covering UH Hoops and also the UFC if you're into um, uh, mixed martial arts. And, Dayan, where can people find you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dayan Dunlap. Um, I do color commentary for the Houston's women's basketball team as well as for Lamar preview fill in for a couple other schools as well but right now it's all about let's raise cougs man we're helping trying to help build the brand 
follow Paws Lamb Pajama. We got a great shirt coming out. We got plenty of merch. We got the Paws Lamb Pajama shirt already out there. So go get that uh, and more to come. And Mavericks got busy today. Got another dub. You know what I'm saying? Luca is getting ready. Yeah. And so, uh, man, well, let's go, Cougs, man. Beat UAB and let's continue to dance. Oh, Dayon. Yeah, the Mavericks actually, uh, they put a beat down on the Rockets on Friday. So <laughs> the city of Houston can't say anything now, especially, of course, we know um, the football situation with uh, the professional football team in Houston. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But of course, people can find me on Twitter at Ayana's underscore five. And like Akib, uh, like Akib said, in terms of thank you for those of you that, that join in the comments um, that are keeping the chat alive. We love the discussion and like I said, we're trying to grow. Uh, at, the, at the very least, we have one more game of post-game coverage on Friday. That, that game, uh, that time has yet to be announced. But Houston UAB will be on Friday in Pittsburgh is where the game will be. And uh, the time has yet to be announced. But be sure to follow us on Twitter. Be sure to follow the official Podstima Jamma Twitter account, as you see it on the ticker below. That's at Podstima Jamma on Twitter. And anything else in terms of sponsors, feel free to, to share the word. We're trying to grow because once the season ends, we're trying to get come back when it comes to football. And like uh, Terry Smith said, uh, U of H is months, months away from the Big 12. So yep. uh, there are big things coming. And we thank you all that joined us. And we'll see you on Friday. Thank you. Cougs.